by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Lord, we thank you this morning um, for the ultimate journey, for giving us a life to live, Lord, for uh, presenting yourself and offering yourself to us, Lord, that we would be able to journey with you. We ask you this morning that you would give us a little bit of clarity on what it is that we're actually doing, where it is we're actually going, what are the tasks, what are the goals, what is the prize that you have set before us, Lord God. Our desire this morning is that we would see you clearly, we would see ourselves and our walk with you, Lord, coming to you and walking with you, that we would see that clearly, Lord God. Our desire is that we would journey well. We don't just want to be on the road, we don't just want to be breathing, we don't just want to be living, Lord. We want to be living a life uh, that gives you glory. We want to be living a life that is very fulfilling to us because of uh, what you're doing within that life, Lord. We want to have uh, our eyes set upon the short journeys and the long journeys, Lord God. Really evaluating and taking inventory this morning, Lord. Would you speak to us? Would you help us? Would you show us what's going on in our lives and the lives of others around us, Lord? Like we were encouraged this morning just to be able to see you and to know that we're okay, to know that you are alive, to know that you are moving, Lord, and that you are walking with us, that you are walking before us even, Lord God. We love you this morning, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So talking about journeys, uh, our church is going to be starting a series next week. Everybody say next week. Next week. It's going to be a wonderful journey. It's going to be a long journey. We're going to spend the next seven or eight months going through the book of Matthew on our Sunday morning series, and it's going to lead us to a place. This journey has an end. Uh, it's going to lead us to Easter. That's where, where the Gospel of Matthew is going to end. That's where we're going to complete our series, where we're going to complete this particular journey. Uh, but it's something, uh, I think, new for us. It's for our church, it's a bit of a long journey. Usually our Sunday series are about a month, sometimes a little bit longer than that. So to look up and say, man, we're going deep. <laughs> we're going far. You better pack a backpack and some <laughs> snacks. But I think it's going to be a huge blessing. When, when you look at your, your life and you look at the church, when I look at what I believe is going to happen as we take this journey through Matthew, I think we're going to see salvations. I think we're going to see people come into the church over the next seven or eight months that did not know Jesus, and they're going to come to know him during this season. We should be excited about that. Amen? Amen. Sarah said, man, I'm with all these bad kids, and then they keep coming to Jesus. They keep asking for prayer. That's exciting Amen. to see that kind of thing happen. But I also believe that some of us who are, are walking with God already are going to learn how to walk with God better. Amen. We're going to be journeying well. We're going to come into this series maybe with a little bit of a limp, maybe with some things that are sore, some things that aren't working quite right. And I believe by the time we finish our series, we'll be walking strong. 
we'll be healthy. We'll be able to say, man, Lord, this was a good, good journey. So I think what we're going to see, if you really look at it, like I said, what we're going to see is people coming to faith and people walking in faith in this series. I think it's going to be a good mix of our Wednesday night Bible study and our Sunday series that I believe that we've begun to enjoy as we've done those things faithfully. It's not going to be a Bible study, but it is going to be uh, a journey through this particular book. So I thought about where we've been as a church and what is it that's important for us to look at before we start that. We're going to be there for a long time. And, and uh, when, I, when I have a journey or when I have something coming up, that's kind of how I look at life. It's like, look, I'm going to be in Matthew for seven months. Today is our last Sunday. What should we talk about? What's important to share? What's important to, to communicate? And I think it's fitting that we've been talking so much about faith. We've been talking about faith in our, our Sunday series. We've been talking about faith in our Wednesday night. We're in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and, and it starts off, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I feel like we're in the right place to begin this journey. If you look back on our Sundays, uh, we looked at the miracle of faith, and I thought, how amazing. What I have in my notes is exactly what, what Gary said. He said, we have to pull down the things of heaven into our lives and into our marriages, into our relationships right now. And that's what that, that message, the miracle of faith, was. It's like, hey, the miracle of faith is that you can believe it, you can see it, God has provided it for you, and then you just have to pull it down into your life. It's yours. It's been provided for you. So we looked at that. Then we talked about walking the walk and talking the talk of faith, how as we not just come in and out of church, but as we really walk it, as we really talk about, what did you learn? You know, when I came in this morning, uh, Inez hit me up and she said, hey, have you thought about recording the marriage event? And I said, you know what? I did think about it. I just forgot to do it this particular time. There's so many things on, on my mind. She said, we had a chance to go out last night and we pulled out our notes. Me and Carmelo were talking about it, but we couldn't remember everything. And we we're like, man, I wish we could play this. We need it recorded. See, that's walking the walk and talking the talk, right? That's exactly what the message was about. Don't just go to the event and we walk that out. No, now we have to go back and actually talk about it. Gary said, we're going to go out on a date today. My wife doesn't even know about it, but we're going out on a date today. We're going to talk about what we learned. How many of us, we're just talking about one marriage event, but how many of us did that with the notes from last sermon on Sunday? How many of us replayed the message from Wednesday night about the glory of God and how he created everything? Right? How, how what we see is made from the unseen. I had people texting me on Thursday morning saying, we were in tears at Bible study. We're playing the song over and over again. Can't get enough of it. He, he, the, the person told me, I already knew that about God, but I've never seen it as clearly as I saw it last night. I don't want to just walk the walk. I want to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? Let's talk about it. Let's text about it. Let's wrestle with it. Let's review the notes. Amen. That's walking the walk and talking the talk of faith. And then last week, we looked at the eyes of faith. We have to lift up Jesus, right? He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We lift him up, and then we talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, whether we're struggling or not, whether we're suffering or not. And again, I, I just can't get over um, Sarah's testimony. You know, on Wednesday, she shared with us that there were plenty of days where she was crying, plenty of days where she was sad, plenty of days where she was homesick. And then she'd get on a big blue bus and go look at these kids <laughs> and say, well, today I'm not going to be worried about what I'm sad about. I'm going to be concerned that this person that almost got stabbed yesterday is asking for prayer today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. You know, when talking to Nicholas, um, uh, 
there's a young man named Junior. I don't know how often you got to see Junior, if you got to meet Junior. But I remember Soul Survivor last year, he almost didn't get to go because um, these drug dealers ran up in his house and held him at knife point and almost killed him, mistaking him for somebody else. And he was just super depressed and overcome by it and almost didn't go to Soul Survivor. But then when he went, Nixus always tell me about this young man, how he was helping others and leading others. And actually, uh, um, a young man tried to commit suicide at Soul Survivor, and I believe it was Junior that found him yeah. and saved his life. So he's almost getting killed one day, right? Decides that whether or not I'm going to go to this event. Zach didn't want to go to the marriage event. David didn't want to go to the marriage event, right? But you go anyway, just like Junior decided to go anyway, and he saves a life. Finds a guy hanging in the tent. Saves his life. You know why? You fix your eyes on Jesus. Lift up Jesus. We all got issues. We all got problems. But they can't stop us. Amen? Amen. So what do we talk about? <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about the journey of faith. The journey of faith. Coming to faith. Walking in faith. Tying everything that I think we've looked at so far together and preparing us to, to go on a new journey uh, next week. So let's start off with coming to faith. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, um, the story of Jacob and Esau, it says, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Sound familiar? Cain and Abel. Didn't we look at that on Wednesday night? Right? They're brothers. They're supposed to love each other. They know God. They're coming to bring this offering. And then these things transpire in their lives to where one brother wants to kill the other. And here we see the same thing in another story. God's trying to teach us something. Think about that with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about that with your brothers and sisters in, in regular life as well. He said, I'll kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau... Her older son were told to Rebekah, so she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you back from there. So the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to uh, this journey and the idea of coming to faith is that many journeys start on the run. <laughs> Jacob's on the run. He's scared of his brother. His brother wants to kill him. He's done something. He's, he's, he's taken the blessing that belonged to his brother. He's taken it upon himself, and now he is on the run. Many of us, oh, let me put it this way, not all of us are running for our lives. But many of us have realized that we were running from something when we found the Lord, right? So Jacob's literally running for his life, but what were you running from when you found the Lord, when that journey started? I remember I was literally running for my life. I was thinking about committing suicide. I didn't know what was going to happen to me, what direction I was going to go, why all my dreams and plans were falling apart. I was running for my life. I remember when I first started getting high, I was doing it to have fun. And then I remember the, the point when it shifted over to, I can't not get high anymore. I'm running from my pain. I'm running from my problems. I'm running from sadness. I'm running from anger. Many of us, if you really think about it, go back for a little bit. 
Many of these journeys start when we're on the run. Running from bad decisions and the consequences of those decisions. Many of us have been running from hopelessness and running from pain. Many of us are running still maybe even from uh, fear of failure, fear of loss. See, Jacob wasn't looking for God. He wasn't looking for faith. He was just running from Esau, right? This story doesn't start that like, man, I, um, I got to go find God. And then something happened to me and that, that forced me to go looking for God. No, he was just running for his life. Let's see what happens. The story goes on, Genesis 28, verse 10. So he listens to his mother and he takes off and he's running for his life. It says, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. That's where his mother's brother lived, right? And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he laid down in that place to sleep and then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and I'll keep you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and, it, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. What a great story. I think there's a few interesting things. One is, it says that these angels were ascending and descending. And I thought about it this morning, how these angels come from the presence of God. They're, they're enlisted and given direction of things that they're supposed to do in our lives, a way that they're supposed to minister. The Bible says that they are ministering spirits sent by the Lord, but they still have to go back and forth into the presence of God. They're his created beings just like we are. But they can't just stay here. They have their marching orders, and then they go back into his presence. What do you want me to do now, Lord? Yeah. Do you consider yourself, maybe every time you come into church, coming back into the presence of the Lord every week? Amen. When you wake up and get into your word, when you have your prayer life, are you going back and forth into the presence of the Lord? God has all these words. It's one dream. It's all just getting started from him, for him. But listen to all these things that God begins to speak to him about his life. Are we hearing God speak to us about our lives, our marriages, our kids, our families, our friends? I was telling Mary when we woke up this morning, I said, I know I must be tired because I was dreaming about sleeping. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> like literally my dream was something along the lines, I don't remember the details, but I was thinking like, this probably happens to you guys in regular life when you're awake, when you start looking at the rest of your week, like, like, man, what do we have Sunday after church? I think that was my dream is, do we have anything Sunday after church? No? All right, cool. We're going to get to go home and rest and take a nap. I'm dreaming about that. That's crazy. <laughs> Shows you what's on your mind, but how does that apply? What I'm trying to say is, uh, Jacob was dreaming about God and his future and his destiny, and God was speaking. So what do we see here? Number one was, uh, 
Many of us begin this, this journey on the run. We're on the run. Number two is we get to stop running and start walking. Right? He was on the run. He was running from his brother. He was running for his life. He was, he was just trying to get away from a bad decision, from something maybe that he shouldn't have done in a way that he shouldn't have done. And so he takes off running. But now all of a sudden, the real journey begins. God's revealed to him. And he's immediately asked to begin walking in faith. Started on the run. He's sleeping and God reveals himself to him. This is who I am. This is where you are. This is what's really going on in life. Everything else that you've been doing and experiencing, I know it felt real, but it's not real. I am real. And right here, right now, immediately, it's time to start walking in faith. Amen. Say immediately. immediately. Say right now. Right now. So what does Jacob do? He takes this same rock that he was sleeping on, and he turns it into the first pillar for the work that God is going to do in his life. Think about that. He's on the run. The sun's going down. How is he making his decisions? The sun's going down. I guess I'm sleeping here today. Many of us know what it's like to be living that way. Check to check. Phone call to phone call. Situation to situation. You have no future. You have no plans. It's just you do whatever you have to do and whatever you can do. So he's just running in his life. The sun's going down, so hey, this is where I'm going to stop, where I'm going to sleep. He takes this rock, makes it into a pillow, and he falls asleep. But because he encountered God, and God reveals himself, and he stops running, and he starts walking in faith, he starts his journey of faith, he's coming to faith, he takes that rock, and he says, this is going to be the first pillar of the work that God is going to do in my life. Earlier I said it's about journeying well and seeing if you're journeying well. When I think about coming to faith, beginning to walk with God, what it means to be journeying well is to take your individual life, your specific life, and walk through that life with God. I think a lot of us want to come to faith and come to church and start, start this new life. We are born again and things are going to be new, but, but we think it's like this community church thing. We think it's like this family God thing. And that's not really the reality of what it means to come to faith and begin your journey of faith. What it really means is to take the rock of your life. Jacob says, where am I at as a man? I'm on the run. I've, I've lost a lot of relationships and friendships and my family. Everything's jacked up and I'm sleeping on a rock. All right, God, where do you want to start? You want to start with ministry? You want to start with community? No, he says, I want, to, I want to start with this rock that you were sleeping on. <laughs> this represents your life. This represents your circumstances, and our journey is going to start from right there. If you want to journey well, I think a good question to ask yourself is, are you really dealing with your life, your circumstances, your challenges, your frustrations, your issues, and your sin? See, Jacob started alone, and it seems a little bit easier, but it wasn't. When he gets to his mother's family, right, she said, go see my brother. You know, he started that journey, but when he gets there, he's not the same person when he gets there as he was when he started that journey. Later on, he's going to see his brother again. He's going to see his mom again. When he sees them again, he's not going to be the same person that he was when he left them. And it's not just because of time. All of you are getting older, <laughs> All of you are growing and maturing. It's something that we talked a little bit about uh, in our, our relationship thing yesterday where it's like, look, if you're still together, you're still together, but it doesn't mean you're getting better, and it <laughs> doesn't mean that you're growing. It doesn't mean that you're more intimate. It doesn't mean that you're uh, um, um, 
maturing. It just means that you're still together. So with Jacob, it could, it could have been the same thing. He could have got where he was going, and they say, oh, you're a little bit different. It's been a few weeks. It's been a few months. That's not why he was going to be different. The reason he was going to be different is because he left as somebody on the run, and then he began a journey of walking with God, coming to God, being a man of faith, not just time. For us, it's a little bit harder. With, with Jacob, he was isolated. In the middle of a journey, by himself, nobody's there influencing, nobody's there looking at what's happening in his life. In our lives, it's different. You go to work on a Friday, everybody knows you. They know how you act, they know how you communicate, they know how you think, they know what you do with your time. And then all of a sudden, you have this encounter with God over the weekend, and you go back to work on Monday, and you're not the same. You were on the run on Friday, and now you're walking with God on Monday. You go to a wedding like we did yesterday. And some of us at the last wedding, we were on the run. And at this wedding, now we're walking with God. Think about it in families. A wife says, I'm going to a women's Bible study, something that somebody invited me to. The whole family was on the run on Monday. On Tuesday, she goes to this Bible study, and all of a sudden, she comes back home Tuesday night, and she's now walking with God. It seems difficult, and it is difficult, but this is what it means to come to faith. God says, right now, I want you to start this journey. Right now, I want you to start walking with me. Why is this important? You know, Jacob took that rock, and he says, hey, this is it, Lord. We're going to start from here. He poured oil on it. He anointed it. He says, God, build from this. Build from this junk. Build from, from right where I'm at. It's hard for people to do that, church, but it's what we have to do. I want us to remember that because there's people that are coming to faith right now, especially those of you who have just recently given your life to Jesus, those of you that just recently uh, uh, had that encounter with God. We're like, He's real. He's alive. He loves me. He wants me. Take your life, however good or jacked up it is, and, and anoint it and say, God, let's start this walk. Let's start this journey. And the rest of us that have been walking with God maybe for a little while, remember how hard that is. Yes. We said it in Hebrews, I think it was chapter 10, maybe verse 32, where it said, uh, I remember what it was like when I came to faith and I was made a spectacle and I was ridiculed and I became the companion of those who were so treated. It's so important to remember that. How hard it is to, again, leave work one way on a Friday, go back on Monday a different way, starting this journey. So number one, we're on the run. Number two, we have, we have to stop, stop running and start walking. It's not easy. It's hard. But walk your walk. Run your race. Deal with your issues and your situations and your circumstances. I want to go from coming to faith now and look at walking in faith. Coming to faith, to walking in faith. So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, story about David, it says, He gathered the choice men of Israel, 30,000 of them. And David arose and went to all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah, 
And Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. When they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there from his error, or for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So listen, David is just anointed king. He has this major victory, this major battle against the Philistines, and God's blessing David, God's growing David, God's encouraging David as he walked in faith, right? If you know David's story, he, he served under Saul. He went through discipleship. He learned how to be a man of God. He learned how to serve a man of God. He waited patiently when he thought that he, could be, he should be elevated and he wasn't elevated. David had all these different stages. He endured the hardships of coming to faith. He had seen God move in his life. He's killing bears and lions, but he's disrespected by his brothers and by his father. The hardships of coming to faith, early stages of his journey. And wouldn't it be awesome if there was a point where the difficulties of our journey are behind us and where walking in faith becomes easy and predictable? But that's not how it works. I think many of us are, are hoping that one day our walk with God will be easy and there won't be any difficulties and there won't be any like major issues that you have. But I think one of the lessons that David's teaching us about walking in faith here is that, hey, it doesn't matter how long you're walking with God, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be things that you have to endure that you don't want to endure. Amen. It's not about ease. It's about growth and maturity and an ability to journey well. Amen. Let me say that again. Walking in faith is not about ease. It's about growth and maturity and an ability to journey well, even in the difficult times. Are you journeying well? Here's what we see from David. He shows us about walking with anger and walking with fear. We're on the run. So then we come to faith. We stop running and we start walking. It doesn't always get easy. Even when you're walking in faith, David shows us here and God shows us here that sometimes we're walking with anger and sometimes we're walking in fear. Sometimes you're trying to do the right thing. Sometimes you're trying to do the right thing for the right reasons, and you still experience pain and suffering. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. Man, I'm really trying to do the right thing. <laughs> and I'm not just trying to do the right thing because I know it's the right thing. I'm actually trying to do it for the right reasons. Our youth on uh, Wednesday night had a message about your motives. Don't just do the right thing. Do it for the right reason. Don't just give, like we heard this morning, give cheerfully because God deserves it. 
Many of us have experienced this thing where, look, I'm in the church and I'm, I'm in this relationship and I'm trying to do the right thing and I really want to do it for the right reasons. I love God. I love the church. I love this woman. I love these kids. I love this family. I want to do things right and for the right reasons and yet still pain and suffering and difficulty and drama. How's that possible? The first thing we think is, oh, yeah, that devil. Right? Right? We got an enemy. Somebody say amen. amen. We got an enemy. And you know what? As we grow and mature, we begin to say things like, you know what? I'm okay with this because I know I have an enemy and he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to make my life hell. I'm going to overcome. I'm only suffering this pain because of that devil. You know what's really hard for us? Is when there's other situations where the Lord has made it clear, this ain't the devil, this is me. And that's when we really begin to lose it. <laughs> I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do it for the right reasons. I'm aware of others who are not. <laughs> and even with all that, Lord, you're going to be the cause of my pain and suffering and what I'm going through right now on this journey where I'm actually walking with you. Yep. We begin to say things that are crazy like Peter. <laughs> we begin to say things like, I won't stand for this. Just like when the Lord told Peter that he had to be crucified and Peter said, no, it will not be so. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. If you're not walking with me, if my vision isn't your vision, if we're not going where I'm going, then we've got a problem, Peter. It's the same thing here with the situation with David. David is angry. He can't understand why he's suffering when he's trying to do the right thing. He knows he's walking with God because God's given him victory over the Philistines. God's made him king and anointed him king. God raised him up over everybody that he had to stay below for so long. Verse 6 said, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. See, David was angry, but he didn't walk away from God. Somebody say amen. amen. See, he continued to walk in faith because in his heart he knew that God was always right. How many of us have gotten to that place where even when we're angry, even when we're hurt, even when we don't really maybe understand why we're suffering, at the end of the day we still know God's right? See, I think that's part of the maturing. I think that's part of what God wants for us too sometimes, right? I'm just working through some things with you guys. I'm just walking with you. I'm just walking. You're walking in faith with me. And he would say to us sometimes, you know what? I want to test you. I want to see. I want to actually show you that there's going to be times where you're angry. Will you stop walking with me? Will you stop talking to me? Will you stop reading your word? Will you stop praying? Will you stop worshiping? David's angry, but he doesn't walk away from God. You know, in our lives, it's really difficult in our relationship with God because that's how we typically do our relationships with people. You get angry, you stop talking to them. You stop responding to them. You stop thinking about them or trying to help them or sacrificing for them. And then we come into a relationship with God and we expect that we're going to behave differently, and we don't. God's given us our relationships to learn how to interact with him. We enter into the covenant of marriage so that we can learn how to be in covenant with him as his bridegroom. We have children so that we can learn what it's like to be a child of God. We have friends so that we can learn what it's like to be called, like David was, a friend of God. 
David's angry, but he doesn't walk away. He knows God is right. The longer you walk with God, the more that you come to one conclusion, he's always right. <laughs> he's always right. David calls it an outbreak. It's not an outbreak. God doesn't have outbreaks of wrath. He doesn't lose control. Mary tried to put me on blast at the marriage event yesterday. <laughs> she said he used to have outbursts of wrath. He used to break stuff and throw stuff. That's kind of what, what David's, David, David's, angry with, David's angry with God, and he says he's angry because of the Lord's outbreak. With man, these things are possible. Maybe there's some truth to what she said about me. Maybe. Jury's still out. No, it's true. But with God, it's not like you surprised him and he got so mad that he had this outbreak of wrath. He's not surprised and he doesn't lose control. So if he's angry, it's righteous anger. You know what happens to us? We can be wrong, and then we get mad at how somebody responded to us. Like, yeah, I was wrong, but you didn't have to throw something. You didn't have to break something. You didn't have to act a fool. And we do the same thing to God, right? You're right. I'm wrong. But I don't agree with your anger right now and how you're treating me and how you're holding me accountable and how I'm having to suffer and have this pain because of it. No, he's right, and he's all the way right. He's righteous. He's holy. He's just. Our God is a God of order. And even if you love God, even if you're in the middle of a worship service, you know this story that I just read to you, it's a, it's a worship service? Did you hear how they had all these instruments and the tambourines and everybody's dancing and worshiping? We don't just sing because we like to sing and it makes us feel good. God has made us with a heart of worship. So David comes out. They've got somebody going before the ark, somebody behind it. They're moving it, and everybody's dancing, and everybody's singing and worshiping. Think about this for a second. They're so excited. They're at church. They're in fellowship. They're worshiping. And what does God say? If I haven't called you and anointed you and sanctified you to touch the ark, you better not touch it. Think about that. Most of us are like, look, I belong to Jesus. I'll do what I want when I want. I'm part of the church. I don't have to have any order. I don't have to have any oversight. I don't have to have any authority. I can do whatever I want whenever I want because God is so good. And I love him and he loves me. Nope. There's amazing freedom in Christ. There's amazing liberty in Christ. There's amazing joy in Christ, in worship, in fellowship, in community, in forgiveness. And, and stop running from our pain and our problems and our sin. And we get to walk with God. All that is amazing. And then he says, but it's no trivial thing. And I'm still a God of order. And you're still going to be called to be obedient. The Bible says you used to be a slave to sin, now become a slave to righteousness. That means that you're still, with, you're still under something. Yes. Amen. And is it possible that in this walk with God, the walk of faith, that maybe for a moment there they forgot that they were under something because it was feeling so good and they were hearing God so much and he had gave them so much victory. I think God was reminding everybody that even though there's great joy, great freedom, great love in him and in his church, faith is not trivial, and we can never, ever, ever forget his word. Sometimes, because of how we feel, whether it's, it's 
anger, frustration, whatever that is, but also sometimes because we feel so good, we forget the word of God. When we talk about worship, when we talk about tongues, and we, like our Friday night praying in the spirit service, when we tell everybody, read 1 Corinthians 14, it's because when you begin to pray in the spirit and you connect with God that way, you're going to want to do it all the time. But God says, hey, you're still under something. You're still under authority, and I still call you to be obedient. It's like that in so many areas of your faith. But how will you know if you don't know the word of God? You can be in love with God and, and feeling his presence and worshiping with all you have, but you can actually be uh, in danger of consequences for being disobedient to his order and his word. Amen. It's crazy, isn't it? And what's the answer? He says, don't just come to faith, walk in faith. Don't just come and have that moment where all of a sudden you had this dream and I was revealed to you and you woke up and you said, this is the house of God and I didn't know it and you're alive and you're real and you saved me. I don't have to run from my brother anymore. I don't have to run from my sin anymore. Yes, that's me. All right, so I'm just going to stand in that and just enjoy it. No, 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 we're going to walk together and I'm going to teach you what to do and what not to do. Amen. You know how David said it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shepherd's taking you somewhere. David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Know what that means? The staff is like, hey, you're getting off track, David. Let me, let me loop, loop this thing around you and, and pull you back, and I'm going to keep shepherding you. The rod is, bam, David, I already told you twice not to go over there. Amen. You really want to walk with God? You really want to walk in faith? Because that will make you angry. Why don't you go hit these sheep that are outside of the church? Why are you hitting me? Because you're walking in faith. You're walking with me. You see how you can walk in anger and even walk in fear? Just don't stop walking. This is what Numbers 4, verse 15 says. When Aaron, Aaron is the, um, the priestly line, right? So you have Moses and you have Aaron. They're called to be the priests. It says, when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. If you're taking notes, write down Numbers 4.15. This is what people love to do in the church, and they love to do with God. God, how dare you strike this man dead who's walking with worship and trying to help the church, and all he did was reach out. The ark was going to fall on the ground. The, the ox had stumbled. The ark was going to fall on the ground. I'm going to support the church. I'm going to help the church. I'm going to labor. He reached out to touch it, and God strikes him dead. What kind of God are you? You're supposed to love us and care for us and protect us and help us. And you you're not a merciful God. You're going to kill this man? And then God says, but I gave you my word. I have a rod and a staff, and I told you. And I, and I have a reason for telling you what to do and what not to do it. He says, I've called, and I've anointed, and I've prepared, and I've sanctified, and I've, I've done everything for a reason. I don't do anything for no reason. I told you, even those that were called to carry it, the sons of Kohath, he said, listen, you can carry it, but do not touch it, or you're going to die. You know, most of the things that we suffer in our walk with God, he's already tried to, at least, tell us, don't do that or you're going to suffer. 
Don't touch that. Don't call her. Don't call him. Don't withhold that from me. Don't hide that. Don't go there. Don't do that. I think it's so good to know that David was angry. David's human. David probably loved that man, right? But David knew the word of God. Even though he was angry, he knew it was right. He knew it was real. He knew it was important. What does it say after that? That David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. I think the fear of the Lord is a good thing. It should do for us what it did for David. It gave him pause. Right? When things happen in your life, pause. Say pause. Pause. (laughs) So David's going. He thinks everything's good and God is moving and God is delivering. And all of a sudden, bang, something bad happens. Something difficult happens. A trial comes and it's from the Lord. And David says, all right, let's just pause. I'm not moving this thing one more step until I know how to move it, where to move it. What did I do wrong? What do I have to stop doing? What do I need to start doing? David just paused. He said, listen, I'm not going to bring this into my house. (laughs) We're going to stop and figure out what God is trying to say to us and remind us of. That's what it means to walk in faith. You stop. You pray, you get the mind of God, the direction of God before you do things. Again, yesterday, Mary and I were a little bit frustrated, running out of time and all the things that we had to do. And I went to the store to pick up some of the food that we were going to be eating together. And the guy, we had ordered it in advance. I told him it needs to be ready at 10.15. I got there at 10.10 and paid for it, brought the receipt, and he said, oh, it's going to be ready in about 15 minutes. I don't have 15 minutes. (laughs) That's why we told you guys 10, 15 yesterday. I was a little irritated. And I could see that look on his face like, look, dude, I just make chicken wings, man. Like, (laughs) don't give me a hard time right now. So I tried to be a good man of God and be patient. So I was like, okay, man, I'll be back. And I turned around, I started walking through the store. And then I had this moment to pause. I was forced to pause because I couldn't do anything else. (laughs) And it was so cool what God did. He showed me some things that were going on in my mind and my heart with me and Mary, right? So I was able to call her. He also showed me some things that we didn't have at the house that we were going to need for everybody. And because he gave me that 15 minutes to wait on this chicken, I was able to walk around Walmart and get some things that we needed that we didn't have. And one of the things that we needed, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I had got it. And when I got back in the car to call Mary and say, baby, I love you, and I'm sorry for being a jerk, she was like, hey, can you grab this for me? I was like, I already grabbed it. It was so cool because I was angry. Like, Lord, I'm trying to do something for you. We're trying to help these couples. We're trying to get things organized, and the man doesn't have a chicken. (laughs) And God's like, just pause. Talk to me. Pray. I'll give you a vision of something you need. I'll show you something that's wrong in your heart before you go talk to these couples about marriage. You need to get your marriage right a little bit, right? (laughs) He did all that stuff in a span of a couple minutes. And when I went back to get the chicken, the dude must have thought I was another person because I stayed and talked to him. How you doing, man? (laughs) Thanks for this chicken. (laughs) He's like, this dude is crazy. 
But I love the pause. I love the pause. It's okay to be angry. God even says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? Man, we see so much in David. Let's finish up. Listen to how the story goes from there. So David would not remove the ark, 2 Samuel 16. He would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but he took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Number four this morning is it's about the presence of God. So here's Obed-Edom. He didn't have to fight for the presence of God. He didn't have to fight for the ark. He didn't reach out and try to touch it. All of a sudden, the king comes to him and says, I want to take up residence in your house. The Ark of the Covenant comes into this man's house, and because he's willing to take the presence of God, he gets blessed. He gets blessed, and people are talking about him. David, remember where we left the Ark? Remember where we left the presence? That house is flourishing. That marriage is strong. Those kids know the Lord. They're financially stable. Why? Because they have the presence of God, not because they go to church. Do you go to church, or do you have the presence of God? That's all we hear about this guy Obed-Edom is he, he took the presence of God into his house and he got blessed. So what does David decide to do? He says, let's, let's do what we did the first time. Let's worship God, right? He's like, we're going to get it. He ain't going to be the only one getting blessed. Let's go get the presence. <laughs> they go and they get it. They start taking off again and they're worshiping again. Keep worshiping. I can't stand when people don't sing <laughs> during worship. It makes me so angry, but it's not because I just want to hear your voice. None of us really know how to sing all that great anyway. (laughs) It's because of stuff like this, like, man, David worshipped. David was not only a soldier and a fighter. The same dude that kills Goliath and chops his head off is standing before Saul with a harp. I've been thinking about this with our men in this church. The term that keeps coming to me is renaissance man. You know, like a renaissance man is somebody that's strong, but also kind and tender, right? Somebody that has value for music and art, but also can go to war and fight. We need more men that are more well-rounded. Another message for another day, maybe eight months from now. (laughs) Come on, Jesus. But listen, here's David doing that side of it, right? He goes back to get the ark, and he's worshiping again, and he's praising again. But do you see what he did different this time? He says, look, every time we go six steps, we're going to stop and make offerings and sacrifices to God. How far do you think they got the last time before maybe the oxen got a little tired or they hit a gap and they began to fall and then the man reaches out and then he dies? David said, one, two, three, four, five, six, stop. Pull out the fire, offering to God. Stand still and worship and praise right here, right now. What is God trying to say to you and I? 
Don't go more than six steps before honoring me and talking to me and praising me and worshiping me. I might show you the little pothole that the ox is gonna slip in and you can fix it before somebody else tries to fix it by reaching out and touching something they're not supposed to touch. Many of us have been walking with God, but it's been way too long since we stopped and talked to him. It's been way too long since you stopped to give an offering to him. It's been way too long since you stopped just to pray. When we put those events on the calendar, it's not because we need another event on the calendar, it's, it's an opportunity to pause. When we come in here every week, it's not because you have to have church. He says don't forsake the assembly, but if you really think about it, it's an opportunity to pause. That's walking in faith, stopping frequently to honor God, talk to God, dance before God, worship God. I want to close with the end of the scripture, but I'm going to ask Isaiah to come and play. The last thing that I want to tell you guys, you know, we started with coming to faith and how difficult that can be, but walking in faith can also be very difficult. We have fear, we have anger, we have a lot of different things going on, and I want to encourage everybody not to let anybody else discourage you from walking in faith. People are going to try to stop you from walking. People are going to try to stop you from praising. People are going to try to stop you from worshiping. People are going to try to stop you from making offerings to God. I'm so surprised with how many people have given testimonies like Gary's, I think maybe even Junior has shared with us sometimes, where when people find out that like you tithe and you offer it, they get mad. Family members and friends get mad. What do you mean you're giving to the church? Don't try to stop me from walking in faith. I'm doing what God told me to do, and that's what keeps me alive and keeps me from dying. Just because you don't know that, don't try to stop me from walking in faith. I'm going to another service. I'm going to a prayer meeting. I'm going to a a marriage event. Why? Don't worry about why. Just don't try to stop me from walking in faith. When you get to work, I keep my Bible on, on my desk at work. People come in, and they're constantly making comments. Some are good. Some are not so good, whatever the case may be. But if you have something bad to say, that's okay. Just You're not going to stop me from walking in faith. It's there for a reason. I've got to encourage everybody here this morning. Don't let anybody stop you from walking in faith. Listen to how the story ends from there. So picture this. They've gone through all this, and David's coming into town. He's worshiping. He's dancing. They're stopping and making offerings. God's getting all the glory. Everybody's alive this time. <laughs> 2 Samuel 6, 16. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread and a piece of meat and a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to his own house. Then David returned to bless his household. Oh, isn't it interesting? David blessed everybody else, and then he blessed his house. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David, and she said, 
How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You hear her sarcasm? He comes home after all this stuff that God has done, and the woman that's supposed to be the most encouraging, the biggest blessing, his greatest fan, the one that's led into the presence of God, she's not even a part of any of this. He comes home and she says, oh, how glorious were you, dancing and twirling. You took off your fine clothes. We are upstanding, upscale men and women. You're the king, and you look like some of these shameless ones who walk around in rags. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house. He appointed me ruler over the people of the Lord, over all Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you've spoken, by them I'll be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Do not let anybody discourage you from walking in faith. Sometimes it's going to be the people closest to you. Sometimes it's going to be the ones that you're saying, I need your help to help me walk in faith. And they're going to be the ones discouraging you. David said, look, I know who my God is because I came to faith. And I know how he's positioned me and blessed me because I've been walking in faith. Everything I do, I do it for the Lord and before the Lord. It's not about you. It's not about anybody else. I dance for God. I sing for God. My worship is for God. And the people that you're talking about, that you're worried about how they're going to look at me, they're going to elevate me and look up to me because they know that my relationship with God is real. And baby, I wish you knew it too. But even though you don't, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. I'm going to sing louder. I'm going to dance more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to praise more. And my life is going to be full of the fruit of that. And all this started on a tough journey where he's walking and uh, he's angry. He's afraid. He's frustrated. But this is the product if you keep walking with God. Joy, fruit. Let this be a warning. Don't be a discourager either. Don't be a discourager. Don't be like Michael. (laughs) Bless people who are worshiping. Bless people who are loving God. Bless people who are giving. Bless people who are trying to walk. Bless people who are fighting through their anger and their frustration. Don't be a discourager. She was unfruitful. Her womb was barren. She had no fruit. No life came from her because she was a discourager. I want you to pray this morning. If you've been discouraging people, if you've been discouraging yourself, repent. If you've been listening to discouraging people, stop. Come to faith, walk in faith, be fruitful, and journey well. Let's stand. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. So we're going to open up communion, open up a time of prayer. Prayer team will pray with you if you want prayer. Communion's yours to go and get.